Lights up. Let's turn together to Acts chapter 2. And in that same spirit of worship, we turn to the scriptures now to, uh, to learn. The book of Acts is a narrative that's describing the birth of the Christian church. And uh, we learn a lot from just seeing what the spirit what the Spirit did there and how they responded to it. and uh, We look at that description of everything that's happened and we just draw out so much. And, um, the, we're going through this as we're praying over the, the course of the 30 days. And just a quick word of encouragement in that, um, in case you wonder if God's really speaking and moving and responding to our prayers, uh, you remember several months ago, uh, I got up on a Sunday night and said, hey, I can't give a lot of details, but I have a meeting this week that really could be huge for our future, stuff like that, and ask you to pray. And then the next week I was like, hey, that didn't really go so well, and stuff like that. Um, that whole situation was, um, was, in, it was involving another congregation that was trying to figure out what they were going to do, and they're kind of in our, a similar situation as us, uncertain about the future, and when that meeting didn't go as planned, things have kind of been in limbo and on hold for a while. And so um, that's always been the back of my mind and the, and, and, and the elders and stuff. And the reason why we just can't say a lot of details is because you're talking about another group of like humans. You know, like we just are trying to be very considerate of that and just not wanting that to be weird for them or for us. or I, I don't know. It just felt like it was best to just not go into a lot of detail about it because we weren't sure what God was doing and so it's kind of been in a holding pattern for a while, and that was officially taken off the table this week, um, which might sound like a negative thing, and it kind of felt that way for me for a second, but I was like, man, it's been in a holding pattern for months, and here we are devoting ourselves to prayer and asking God for steps in the future, and he's like, okay, well, how about I just narrow this down for a second? And I don't think it's coincidence, the timing and uh, all that kind of stuff. So he is hearing us pray, and he is responding, and he is uh, uh, giving us direction, even if it's just removing options. Um, So keep doing what you're doing, because it's working, and it's helpful, and it's good. Um, So as we pray, we're we're studying our way through Acts at the beginning, and just being like, what what can we learn from these believers in the most fruitful time of the Christian church, and all, and like since it began at Pentecost up until now, it's never been as as uh, on fire as it was then. So we got to be able to learn some stuff, right? So Acts chapter two. Um, I'm going to just be real honest with you. This is not going to be a great sermon. Just to encourage you and make you feel good about choosing to come tonight. It's not going to be a great sermon, but it's going to be an important one. And it's one that I, I'm nervous about bringing for some reason. And so, uh, so this might be one where you just don't take a lot of notes. And maybe you just do more listening than anything else. And it's not going to be long, or at least I don't think it will be. Um, so let's, uh, let's start reading, starting in the beginning of chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the Spirit of God like, comes to dwell in each of these believers, there's about 120 of them, and they began to, to worship God in a, in a language that was not their own native language. It was a known language, it was spoken by other people, so they weren't, it wasn't the, um, it was, they weren't just like um, uttering syllables or speaking some kind of language no one had ever heard before. These were like known human languages, and they just began to worship God in this language that they had never studied or whatever, they just, that was what the Spirit was doing. Now in verse 5, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews... Devout men from every nation under heaven. So this was the Feast of Pentecost. And Jewish, pilgrim, uh, Jewish folks would have made a pilgrimage from wherever they were living, all, all throughout the region, to Jerusalem for this festival. Um, and so that's what it's saying, is that like, this was the time when you, had, you went from a population of maybe 25,000 to maybe as many as 200,000 in Jerusalem for this festival. Uh, and so you kind of drew from everywhere, and we might have, we have a map? Okay, we'll, we'll show you a map in just a second. Um, let's keep reading. Verse 6, and at this sound, the multitude came together. So as they're, they're worshiping God, and there's, there's this sound, it could have been the rushing wind, it could have been the, the fact that 120 people are praising God in all these different languages, and that would create kind of a buzz. Um, at this sound, the, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered. Because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. Um, because when you're drunk, that's what you do. You begin to speak Arabic, in, you know, perfect Arabic. You know. Okay, so... Here's the here's the the crux of tonight. What is the? There's a, a lot of different ways we could go, but I, I was really struck by this weeks ago, and wasn't sure. You know, do we go? Yes, yes. One of the first things that we see the Spirit of God do is deconstruct what divides people, and then unify them. He deconstructs what divides them, and then he unifies them. Um, so we have this map to kind of show you where everyone's coming from. And um, it's, they're all, like, in the, the Jewish diaspora. Uh, if you remember your Old Testament history, um, about 750 years before this, Assyria had come in and run everyone out of Jerusalem. And then, uh, then some of them came back, but some of them stayed put where they were. And then in, about 600 years before this, uh, Babylonians came and did the same thing. So Jewish uh, communities would be run out of Jerusalem, and then some of them would trickle back in, but some of them would stay put. So this is a map, and this is showing everything that's written in black. These are all of the different regions that Luke references in that list. So this is modern day. You have Iraq, uh, Iran, you know, Egypt, Libya, 
um, Israel, Syria, all that kind of stuff. Then you get up into Turkey, uh, you Greece, you have Rome, Italy all the way over there. So see Jerusalem right there, it's kind of tucked in there. So from there, over 700 years, people had scattered out and settled in all these different places. Now they were Jewish, but you can imagine after 700 years... You were Jewish by faith, but you, you lived in a different culture. And so that's where these languages come from. You have these, there's 15 that are listed here. Um, most historians put the number around 70 as far as nations where, uh, when the dispersion happened in the Old Testament, 70 different nations are where you could find Jewish communities. So there were probably more than these 15 languages here represented that day. There could have been 70. There could have been more. Um, when you go, if you go to India, India has like six or 7,000 different languages that, are, that exist within that one country. Um, so it's kind of hard for us in America who are predominantly English, you know, and there's, there's, a, there's Spanish in there as well. But as far as a national language, we just kind of know one thing. But you go to most other countries, and they're, they're, there's languages, um, they vary a whole lot more, especially if you get into this part of the world where countries are super close together, you don't have to travel far to get out of your native language zone, so to speak. So you have all these people from, this, from all over the place. Maybe 200, as many as 200,000 had traveled into Jerusalem. And here they are, and they hear these folks worshiping in their native language. So when I say that the Holy Spirit deconstructs Language is an obvious barrier, but it's not a simple matter of language. It's like, oh, we speak a different language, or that, you know, whatever. Language comes with cultural barriers and historical barriers and all these kinds of things. So you may have had people that were from uh, far away who came in, and at, at first reading, it's like, oh, they're like, man, there's some, like, these guys know some languages, or you know, they know my language. How neat is that? Um, but there's more, there's more to it than that. So he's deconstructing the barriers that language puts up. Beneath that, though, uh, we see something that's it's kind of subtle, and I, don't, I didn't see it, and I had to read a bunch of books written by smart people to, to see what they're talking about here. If you look in verse 7, As they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Now, at first, it sounds like they're like, Oh man, they're not from my country, so how do they know my language? But there's a tone that's there. One commentary kind of put it like this, and I think it makes, a lot, it makes sense, especially for Americans. And this is gonna, it's it's going to sound terrible, especially with the point of the sermon. Um, but it would be like them saying like, how in the world is that redneck hillbilly mountain kid speaking my language? Because Galileans were thought to be completely backwards. They were, they were the uneducated. They were the unsophisticated. They were the people that were made fun of. They were, if you were from Galilee, it would be, it would be like um, pick a part of the country where everybody makes fun of them. Now, I know we live in a part of the country where that happens. Okay, I've seen Waterboy. Like, I'm familiar with... Stuff, uh, but there is there is something more going on here. 
There is a, a division between them that's more than simple language. It's, it's cultural, it's racial, it's one of those kinds of things. And so we see the Spirit fill up these 120 people, these 120 people, uh, 120 uneducated, unsophisticated, mountain hillbilly rednecks. And they begin to worship God in the native language of all these people who were looking down on them. And they were kind of freaked out. Like there's a weirdness here. Like they were kind of, it bothered them a little bit. It wasn't like, oh, how cool, you know my language. You know? It was like, how do you know my language? So the Spirit deconstructs what had divided them. So they're all concerned. They don't know what's going on. And we're going to look next week at Peter's sermon where he, once he has all their attention, he like lays it all out in this phenomenal sermon. And then look, look at verse 37. At the end of the sermon, there were thousands gathered together at this point. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, this being the sermon, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, look at this, is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everywhere whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and those who Added to that day were about 3,000 souls. So they go from 120, um, and I'll just call them rednecks, 120 uneducated rednecks. Then the number of Christians jumps to 3,000. 3,000 who would have wanted nothing to do with these Galileans before, who would have looked down upon them, who would have judged them, who would have probably mocked them, who the only thing they had in common with them was that they were Jewish. That was the one thing. But everything else, they were completely different Different race, different background, different cultural norms, different everything. Um, they go from being divided to then being brought into the same family of faith, 3,000 of them. And then, verse 42, the, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayers. These people who were, were separated by language and culture were now all devoting themselves to the same thing. And they were like, hey... What do these Galileans have to say to us now? They devoted themselves to that teaching and to prayer and to fellowship with one another and to the cross, the breaking of bread. Verse 43, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. These are people who should have nothing to do with each other based on the patterns of the world. And they are going into each other's homes and they're selling stuff to provide for each other and they're These are thousands of people that are now living in this unified community. People who should have been separate by the world standards are now unified by the Spirit of God. And the church is a couple days, weeks old. And what happens to them? Well, eventually they go back home. 
They go back to where they're from. They scatter around the Mediterranean like that in the whole region. They go back there, and what do they do? They probably keep doing this stuff. And the church goes from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and all to the ends of the earth with this empowered witness. But you know what? It won't happen if you're a racist. It won't happen if you are judging the people around you based on social classes. It won't happen if you have a low view of women or a low view of men. It won't happen if you look at someone's background and you separate yourself from them because of that. If you look at someone's family history, life history, mistakes that they've made, if you look at their appearance, if, you look at, if there's anything going on that pushes you away from someone else, the gospel does not do what we see it doing right here. It doesn't. So I wonder what the sermon's about. <laughs> well, I think we have to look and just be real honest. And like, let's look around socially. And let's, let's look at the things that tend to separate us by the patterns of the world. And let's ask the Spirit to do some work in us that eliminates those things from dividing us from people. That when things that are meant to, when, when things that simply describe someone go from being descriptive to being definitive, that's, that's where the problem is. And you look at someone and if you're like, oh, that, that person looks this way or you know, there, it's something like that, it's like, well, that's a description. You know, their race is a description, their gender is a description, their, their background is like, oh, they've been through this, they've been through this, or they're going through this right now and it's, it's a hard thing or whatever. Those things are describing them, they're not defining them. But when descriptions become definitive, and then based on that defining of someone, that determines our path forward with them, then that's where the problems come in. And so some of that's interpersonal, and some of that's cultural, you know. The church should be the place where, where there's the most, like, unified, like, love and community that's found. It's like, we don't care what you look like, what you've been through, whatever, come on. That clearly is what is happening here. That's obviously what the gospel is about and what the church should be. And that's God's will. That's what he wants to do among us. And so some of it is interpersonal. Some of it is like, okay, when, when God sends you into someone's life, are you letting those descriptions play a role they're not supposed to play? You know, are you are you arm's length with people because of those things or whatever? And he needs to cure us from some of that. And some of it also is just like the it's some of that mindset stuff that comes from patterns of the world where you're like, oh well, you should never shop at that store. You should never go into that part of town. You should never let your kids go to that school. You should never do that. You know those kinds of things that are all over our city. It's all these things that need to be deconstructed by the believers. We need to be the ones that are the unifying presence in our community. We are the peacemakers. We are the ones that are not letting that stuff segregate and separate all of us out. We're the come-as-you-are place. And not just like church when we meet, but like your home, your life, is a come-as-you-are kind of life that... God brings you people, and it's not about ruling people out based on what they look like or where they're from or what they've been through and that kind of stuff, you know. I, I, <laughs> I'm very hesitant to tell this story, but I'm going to because it's terrible, uh, but hilarious a little bit. But really, it's more, way more terrible than hilarious. Uh, 
Growing up, we uh, went to church and we sang the song, Jesus Loves Little Children, All the Children of the World. Red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in His sight. Jesus loves little children of the world. And there was this version of it that we did with the children's choir, which, you know, that's the message we want our kids to grow up with, right? Like, you don't want your kids to fall into the patterns of the world in regard to people and those things. And, but the, the track would, uh, it would go into, like, red, yellow, black, white. We would pause at each one of those and then sing in the style of that color of person. And so we'd like, it'd go through one time, and like, all the children of the world, red. And then it'd be like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And we would like hop around like Indians and sing the song like that. And we'd go back through and be like, red, yellow. And then it would go, ding, 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 ding. And we would put our hands together and we would bow as we would sing the next part. And then it got to black and like the theme from Shaft would start playing and we would like, you know, whatever, and we would sing and sing that. And then, and then it got to the white one and it was like the boring one that we sang the first time around, which just proves that we have the worst kind of music, apparently. And here we are getting such mixed messages, you know. And this is not... I'm not trying to beat up anybody who led our kids' choirs and stuff like that when we were little. It's not about that. It's just saying in the South, that's what's going on in a lot of our churches, is kind of this double-mindedness of like, no, God loves everybody, but let's kind of make fun of everybody too. And you can't, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And so, I don't want this to be like the, like, I don't want you to walk out and be like, man, Josh kind of like told us we were all like, sexist and racist and like you know we're see we, we all hate poor people and it's like no that's that's not the point that's not what i'm doing so please don't hear me as the, one of your pastors being like this 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 and shaking my finger and saying we got to get better at this i'm i'm not saying that we are bad at this i'm saying that that when we look at the new testament church this is a purifying work of the spirit in believers that he desires for every church. And so if there is a part of you that, that still struggles with that, I'm not trying to put a label on you, or, or myself either. I'm not trying to say, well, this is just how it is. It's maybe God wants to expose some parts of life that still need to be sanctified, that still need to be refined. Maybe there's still some maturing that we have to do. It's pretty clear, you look at the news over the last few months, that our country is still struggling with like, all this, these social constructs that keep us divided. Well, the, the church, like, we're the absent voice sometimes. And we should be the present ones leading the charge. Because in Christ, those things, they just describe us. It's not about pretending we aren't different, you know. God loves that we're different. Don't you think he loves that we're different? Don't you think that he loves the, the fact that, um, that men and women are different? And that men in uh, Ethiopia are different from men in Brooklyn? Like, don't you think he loves the, the diversity that our planet brings? Don't you think he loves the, the beauty of the gathering of the nations that's going to happen in Revelation 2 and the healing that will be there? Don't you think he hates the wars that exist between us because of these 
things that we've constructed. And don't you think he loves when his bride is the peacemaker and the one that's bringing unity among people that are different? Saying those things just describe that there's only one thing that defines. That's being in Christ. That that is, that is the thing for us. All throughout the New Testament we see it in Galatians 3, 28. Just throw this, this one verse up there and then I'm going to close. This is Paul. He says, there's neither, slave, uh, neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male and female. For you all are one in Christ Jesus. That's what we're going for. And so as we're working our way through, the Lord was like, look, you've got to talk about this. We, this is not talked about enough. Here at the ring, it's not talked about. So maybe he wants to expose something. Maybe it's race. Maybe it's gender. Maybe it's, maybe it's more about the classes of people that we kind of break things into. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the as our, in our push for transparency and openness, and you find out what people have done or what they've been through or what they're battling, and maybe you really struggle to know what to do with them in those moments or whatever. It's not about us feeling bad. It's, it's about the, the Spirit saying, hey, I want, I want to refine you in this area. I want to change you. I want to grow you. I want, I want that to, to go back to just being something that describes someone, not something that defines them. Because this is who he's made us. This is who we are now. So I don't really know. I don't know where it hits you. I don't, I don't know where it hits our whole church. I don't, I don't know. I just feel like I need, it was obedience to get up and talk about this. So, um, yeah, you do with it. You be a good steward of whatever it is. Let's stand together. Just think for a second where this stuff might hit with you. It could be that the Lord wants to encourage you in how he's grown you in this. And I hope, I hope that that is happening all over the room. That maybe at one point in time, some of these things would have been uh, defining for you, and now they are playing a proper role. But maybe he does want to bring something to the surface uh, to deal with, so that's between you and him. And let me pray for us, and we're going to sing a little bit, and God, I thank you that um, this is not who we are anymore. That you've truly made us, uh, you made us new and you've given us a different way to look at each other and life. And, uh, but also that you're continuing to change our perspective on things. And so if we are, uh, if we're struggling with sanctification in, in this regard, if there are, things that need to be deconstructed and unified within us corporately and but really individually pray that you'd help us to not push away from that or be quick to dismiss it but that we would own up to it and embrace it and as we sing these these songs lord i don't know maybe maybe these would be our prayers and our declarations of a refusal to follow the patterns of the world in regard to Uh, the things that divide for you are one who brings us together so help us to sing with sincerity 
to maybe pray through these songs uh, as we go.